Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world, welcome to the show. This is the Millennial Millionaire Podcast, and I am your host, Stephen Cohen. This podcast is focused on bringing some of the wisest minds from across the globe to discuss concepts, strategies, and ideals that will lead them to be top performers in their respective industries and their lives. This show is for the millennials and millennials at heart to transcend their mindset, their health, and their income to the next level. We are so excited to have you on this journey with us. Welcome to the show. Yo, 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 what's up, Millennial Millionaires? Excited for our next episode. We have a good buddy of mine, Mr. Brandon Scott Jones, aka B Money. Uh, Brandon has been in the direct sales industry for over a decade. He's trained thousands of sales professionals across the country in multiple different continents. He's managed over nine figures in revenue in his multiple different businesses. He's an amazing husband, an amazing father, and an amazing friend. And uh, excited to finally have you on the show, man. Bro. So stoked to be here. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely, bro. I'm glad we made it happen. I know it was a little last minute, yeah. but uh, we made it happen. You're you're in town for 48 hours, and yeah. uh, we got some dinner tonight, so we have to hop on the pod and get some value going for the boys. Absolutely, man. That's all we're about right now is just giving value for free to the marketplace, making sure that we impact lives versus chase a paycheck. Let's go. Yeah. Brandon, for those that don't know who you are, give a quick little intro, and then we'll, we'll hop into it. Cool. So, I mean, the way that we met was pretty kind of the beginning of the story, if you will. Um, I left college studying engineering to go pursue the direct sales network marketing business. Um, you and I crossed paths. We ended up working together. I recruited you from another company and brought you under my organization. It's like 12 years ago. Yeah. Crazy. Over a decade. Um, you've now been in my wedding. Uh, you've been a great friend, a great mentor, a great mentee, and uh, just a great asset all around. I think it's rare to find other men that we can connect with like this and share our dreams with in a safe space. And uh, you know that's why we've become such good friends over the years. My story is when network marketing went downhill for us and we all went scattering like rats in a alleyway, I went straight into working for corporate America. Um, I found a fortune $100 billion company started selling security over the phones, um, using that phone skill asset that we learned from network marketing. Shout out Vivint. Shout out Vivint, man. Uh, Vivint put me on to my first call center job. I worked in a call center with 175 reps out of thousands and thousands of reps nationwide. Uh, I was mentored by Grant Cardone, and I went through his entire Cardone University, his entire program, and within a short amount of time, my first year there, uh, I, I became the number one rep. Um, I did that the second year in a row, and by the end of it, I had sold more in revenue, but I had made less in income. Hmm. And so I went and spoke to management and said, hey, what's going on here? And they said, well, we can't really have you making more than managers here. So we'd like to invite you to leave. Uh, there's another opportunity that you could go work for selling timeshare where you can make double, triple, even quadruple what you're making right now and probably work even less hours. And I know you're a new dad. So the timing was honestly perfect. Um, I went to go work for Wyndham selling timeshare. And again, I was in a call center, not face to face. And so you get way more repetition when you have a phone, uh, job versus when you have a face to face job, a timeshare rep in person sits down with two people a day. I was able to talk to 25 to 35 people a day. So way more repetition. I think you've got to be frequent before you've got to be great. Hmm. So I went through this frequency and with this extra frequency, I was able to double, triple and quadruple my income from Vivint and humbly became the number one rep working for Wyndham. As I was working for Wyndham, I'd have fellow reps reaching out, asking for advice, mentorship, and I'd offer one-on-one coaching. Um, I was paying almost as much as I was making at the job with just mentorship. So in 2019, I left, I moved to Vegas, I leased a fat office, hired a bunch of sales guys, started my first sales training business, uh, did a 
you know, almost six figures in revenue in the first month of opening. And then the timing, if you guys can remember, that's 2020, COVID hit. So I go to the office one day, the business is completely shut down, the office is locked, and all of my sales reps quit. And I decided that at that moment, if my business was struggling like this, I'm sure other businesses were as well. So I helped door-to-door companies, uh, such as your own business, helped other businesses in the space of solar, security, pest control, just transition to having a call center opportunity built alongside their door-to-door unit while COVID shut down the marketplace. And uh, that's where business really took off for me. And I've now been recruited into multiple different business opportunities between automation, drop shipping, um, it ranges from coaching businesses, course businesses. And now what I do is anyone that runs an ad online, I run the sales team and operations behind that. Create the comp plans, create the structure, the sales training, internal training for them. And then obviously do the hiring, recruiting, but most importantly, the retainment and teaching people actually how to value employees and give them an opportunity that they feel like they can win. Yeah, I love that, man. Ever since I've known you, you've been a, a raw sales guy. Uh, pound for pound, one of the best salespeople. I think it's that sweet voice of yours. The phone has always been your specialty. It's been my specialty. Why, uh, why do you think sales is so important for people to learn? And for those that don't believe that they're a salesperson, what would you tell those people? Well, everything is sales. Uh, You've got to sell yourself every morning on waking up early. You've got to sell yourself on going left or right in this life. Unfortunately, as humans, we're gifted and cursed with the ability to choose based off of what we desire, not based off of survival. And when you get that opportunity, you've got to sell yourself on making the right decisions or you end up making the wrong decisions. And so I think that's where sales really starts. And then obviously, if you want a beautiful wife, if you want a beautiful kids and you want a great relationship with people in your life, your neighbors, your community, your church, you really have to understand sales and sell yourself as an asset to them as a human being. Absolutely, man. I think communication is so important. You know, when I look at you, I look at, you know, our friends group, people that we started with in network marketing, people in my company, people that you work with, colleagues. It's like when you look at us from the outside looking in, like none of us are super smart, you know, like I didn't, I didn't go to college. I dropped out freshman year. You know, I think you may have finished college. Maybe, maybe not. But like when you look from the outside in, you're like, how are these people doing so well? And it really comes down to us spending a decade on mastering and perfecting the art of communication, the art of recruiting, the art of training, team building, being able to influence other people to get them to do what they should be doing because it's in their best interest. Can you touch a little bit on entrepreneurship and what it takes to succeed, maybe not in your traditional business, but more in the orthodox direct sales industry? This is perfect because I was telling this story to one of my sales teams recently. A lot of people don't know what we did outside of the workplace. A lot of people, all they saw was what we did when the lights were on, Hmm. but it's what we did when the lights were off. We were completely alone that made us the valuable people we are today. I remember being 17, 18, 19 years old. Every summer I'd go work for my grandpa on the roof. I'd go be, you know, rolling paint on roofs. And in my AirPods or my ear, you know, my headphones at that time, listening to a Walkman, I'd have Les Brown. I'd have Tony Robbins. I'd have the Jim Rohn. I'd have Zig Ziglar. I'd have these books on tape, these audios on tape of them doing seminars from 60, 70, 80 years ago. And I was grabbing that game instead of listening to music. I was listening to personal development. Mm -hmm. And that right there shifted for me. You know, we've put in 15 years into studying our own minds and understanding what it takes to win in this marketplace at a high level. 
I like to think of it as being in the lab. We're in the lab mixing chemicals, mixing potions, and finally we found the right precipitation, the right coagulation, and we're now being recognized publicly for what we did privately. Mm. No, I love that. So with that being said, a lot of people that maybe we started with when we first network marketing or people we know, a lot of people read the books, a lot of people go to the seminars, a lot of people listen to the audios. I shouldn't say a lot of people, but at least the demographic that probably listens to this podcast are into personal development. And we'll touch a little bit about how important that is. What do you think separates the people that go from conference to conference to conference? They read the books, they listen to the audios, they're on YouTube, but yet after every year they look at their life and nothing changes. Yeah, it's the guy that's at the back of a Tony Robbins event, and he says it's his 27th time being there. <laughs> it's the guy that goes through all of the content, all of the coaching, all of the mentorship, but doesn't apply it. There's a reason I've had 25 mentors in my life, because I use the information they teach, and as I utilize that information, I level up, and new levels come with new devils, but they also come with new mentors. Mm. You can exhaust, you, you've got to become obsessed with studying the greats so that you can understand everything they have and become a culmination of all of them. You don't get stuck on just one and going to these conferences and just reading and learning and reading and learning. You've got to apply. And it's the application of what we learned that separated us from the other people. And you know, quick story on this. I had a roommate when we were in our network marketing business. I had books that I would buy every single paycheck. I would spend 10 to 15 to 20% of my income just on books. This roommate would come into my room, take a picture of the front of it, post it to his Instagram, walk out of the room, put the book back on my table. It's showing people that there's quality books out there, but actually reading and applying the books is what separates the people that were in this for two years and the people that have been in it for 15 years. Like we were talking about earlier is time will either expose you or time will promote you. And we're finally being promoted for what we did in the darkness all alone. Yeah. No. And I think it's so interesting because I think intrinsically, if you ask most people like, Hey, do you think reading business books, self-help studying people that have the results you want? Like, wouldn't you think that's beneficial for your life and your business and your income? Most people will say yes, but as we know, to know and not to do is not to know. Just because you know that you should be doing something until you actually do it, until you actually have the discipline, the consistency, until you actually internalize it where it's something you want to do. Because I don't know about you, Brandon, I used to hate reading, bro. Yeah. Like I was the student in class that would spark notes the book reports. I'd have my dad, you know, help me cheat on it 24 hours before the book reports do. Like I would yep. do everything that I could because I wasn't interested in the material. I wasn't a good student in school because I didn't see the payoff for me. And then when I realized over a decade ago, oh man, if I want to be rich, if I want to be successful, if I want to be fulfilled, happy, leaders are readers. The more that you learn, the more that you earn. I started actually conditioning the mind to believe that I'm a reader. And as we all know, if you do what other people do and you say what they say, you're going to get what they get every single time. When it comes to mentors in your life, Brandon, because everyone talks about, hey, you need a mentor, you need a mentor, you need to find people that have the results you want. Yeah. Um, we know that's important, but a lot of people out there Maybe they're hungry for success. Maybe they're in a sales business or they're in some type of entrepreneurial or maybe they're just at their job and they're looking for something bigger, but they don't have a rich uncle. They don't have access to people in life. What advice would you give people to actually find a mentor to get started in chasing their dreams? Finding a mentor starts with just searching. I believe that when you look, when you seek, you shall find. You've got to seek. A lot of us get 
lost in thinking that it's an overwhelming aspect to find a mentor. You know, I know that we're an average of the five people we surround ourselves with. I'll be honest, I love my kids, but they don't make a lot of money. <laughs> so if I'm trying to make a lot of money, I've got to offset that time that I invest into my kids with mentors. Now, I don't need mentors that are alive always, Stephen. I find a really good mentor in the book, the Bible. I find a really good mentor in Tony Robbins, right? Awaken the Giant Within. I spent hours and hours and hours with Tony Robbins, which would have cost me hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars or just a $12 book that you read every single day. I found Ogmandino in a book and he tells stories and he tells these great miracles through poetic energy. You can find a mentor that you resonate with and you just simply have to obsessively study this mentor and spend time with them. You don't have to spend time physically, you can spend time metaphysically and you can enjoy their presence and understand what that influence can do for you just by being in their words. You get to see how they talk, how they operate. You get to see their thoughts, their true beliefs. And that right there is something you're not gonna get in a one hour dinner. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we're in the 21st century. There's there's really no excuse. You know, yeah. I, I know we were talking about this on the way here. If you're not happy with your results, whether it's your fitness, your relationship, your finances, uh, your networking, like there are resources for you to go out there and figure it out just by literally hopping on your phone, YouTube University, Audible Academy. Yes. There's access to so much information. So it's not a matter of resources. As Tony Robbins says, it's a matter of being resourcefulness. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to salespeople, I know you're the sales professional. You've trained thousands of salespeople over the last 10, 12 career. You're a top performer yourself in multiple different industries with multiple different products. What do you think separates the 60,000 a year earner sales person to the $600,000 a year sales earner? It's an easy, easy question, but it's so simple that it's neglected. The thing that separates someone that makes $60,000 in sales and the person that makes $600,000 in sales is how hard is the person working on themselves? How hard are they working on themselves outside of the job? You know, we've talked multiple mentors and you guys will hear a lot of quotes tonight, but it's what you do working on yourself that pays you more at your job. One of my favorite quotes is, if you do more than you're paid, eventually you'll get paid for more than you do. But it's actually not that, Stephen. It's if you do more than you're paid to do, eventually you get paid more for what you do. Hmm. And it's the people that work harder on themselves than they do at their job that end up making a ton more money at their job doing the same exact steps. I could teach you the exact steps on how I'm successful, but you'll never have the same tonality. You'll never have the same conviction. You'll never have the same belief and the honest desire to win unless you embrace that you're God's highest form of creation and you deserve to earn that amount of money. It's who you become that brings you the extra income. It's not what you study or what you do. It's who you become in the process of chasing your best self, giving your life up, understanding there's a greater power, there's God guiding you and aligning yourself with what his plan is and tapping in to the greater idea of abundance. That's how a $600,000 rep operates versus a $60,000 rep operates. And the cool thing about sales, what I really love about direct sales and not having a huge team under you and just being someone who's in a deal and selling and hunting and killing and eating only what you kill is that there's no excuse for your success. There's no timing that impacts it. There's no 
oh, this person just had a great social media following or X, Y, Z. It's literally just you and another human being and being able to convert that human being, help them solve a problem in their life and help them get into the deal that you're encouraging them to get into. And that power comes through conviction and comes through belief in yourself of knowing that you're an asset to this person that you're sitting across from and that you're able to encourage them to make a decision now versus pushing it off to later. The $60,000 rep is gonna let them call them back next week. The $600,000 rep is going to say, time is money, success loves speed. Why would you push your dreams back further than you desire? Let's take action now, tell God, tell the universe that you are a fast mover so that when you want something, it comes quickly. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you make decisions quickly and stick to those decisions quickly, you are rewarded quickly. Yeah, I love that. B, I think I know the answer to this question, but how much of success in your life and the people's lives that you've been able to support, impact, and be a part of, do you think is more the spiritual side of success versus the actual day-to-day fundamentals? That's a good question, Steven. So I used to have this company called My Sales Process, where what I would do is give you my seven steps to closing a deal. And I realized that I could give this seven steps to thousands and thousands of people and only a fraction of them would succeed. Because it's not what you do. It's not even how you do it. It's why you do it. And when you can help someone tap into why they do something, why they wake up early, why they read the books, why they need to say this word specifically within the first few minutes of a phone call, why they need to do the demands, why they need to ask the right question, why, 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 when they focus on the why, the how becomes irrelevant. So what I've now started doing is teaching people the why behind the process versus the how. If I can teach someone the why, I know they can win. I love that. It's the, uh, most people think it's how do be, when in reality it's be, do, have. Come on. First, you need to become the right individual. You need to be the right leader. You need to be the right business owner, sales professional, husband, father, whatever role that you're trying to fill, you need to become the best version of yourself in that specific niche. And then by doing that, you'll gather the resources, the conviction, the intelligence, everything that you need to go out there and execute by doing. And then eventually the have is a byproduct. Mm. Brandon, we, we talked a little bit on the way here. You know, you're you know, you're on track to have your biggest month ever in, yeah. in your whole career. And I've known you for a really long time. And just like anyone, myself included, any type of person going after their dreams that have big goals, you go through ups and downs, right? Yeah. It's not just all sunshine and rainbows. No. You don't just make it and then things are great. You go through different peaks and valleys. You go through different challenges to help form you into the person that you need to be to uh, allow yourself to attract the results that you're ultimately trying to attract. What do you think has been the shift for you personally these last two months, three months, six months, year that have allowed you to break that glass barrier in your income in your life? Man, I'm going to do my best to not get emotional here. Um, But one of my best friends in life was my grandma. And uh, my grandma recently passed away, 18 months ago. RIP, I love her. It's not something I'll get emotional about. But what I do get emotional about is the idea that Stephen Covey explains on his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. If you read just the first page of any book, the first page of a chapter, you should read this book right here. What it does is it talks to you about walking into a room, a room that's unfamiliar, but you see a ton of familiar faces. You go to greet someone that you recognize, your mom, your cousin, your auntie, 
you go to greet them and they can't hear you. It's kind of like one of those dreams where you go to scream, but nothing comes out. And you walk around this room and you finally walk to the front of the room and you see that it's an open casket and you're the one in the casket. But no one can hear you. So frustrated, you go sit in the back of the room and you watch as your mom goes up there, your grandma goes up there, your grandpa goes up there, the bagger at the grocery store goes up there. Everyone you've ever met in your life goes up on stage and says the impact you either did or didn't have in their lives. They talk about all the sacrifices they made so that you could live the life that they wanted for you. They had this huge plan, this huge idea for you. But instead of living up to that potential, maybe you let them down in one way or another. And thinking about that, at the age that we're getting to now, Stephen, I decided no more. No more am I going to be playing small. No more am I going to avoid what my God's calling is, which is the gift of gab and being able to connect the 18 inches between my mind and my heart and letting them flow out my mouth. I'm going to go public and share more value with the marketplace because I know that we get back what we give. And I know that my grandma wants to see me win at a high level. She had a big, big goal for me, a big dream for me. And I just can't let that down. I know she's on my shoulder watching out after me. I've been in the word every single morning at 3 a.m. I have made sacrifices on sleep. I have made sacrifices on habits and other aspects of my life that were holding me and restricting me from going at my full potential. And I eliminated those distractions like a governor off of a car so that I could go as fast as I could. Because grandma passed away at what I feel like was a very young age. And I know that if we just had an extra three hours with a loved one, we would do anything in the world to have that back. But we're our greatest loved one, Stephen. And I know that I might not have tomorrow. I might only get another three hours with me. And I love myself more than anything on this planet, as we should. And so why not tap into my peak potential? Why not go after my dreams with an unrelenting, unapologetic fire to chase what I feel is mine? What God says is mine. What my grandma said was mine. Come on. So when you say what kickstarted this, man, what kickstarted it is losing a loved one and realizing that I loved her, but I love myself more than anything on this planet. And I'm not going to cut myself short of those extra three hours I want to spend with myself. So I break my day down into three hour increments. Every day I'm breaking it down into three hours. What are you doing for the next three hours? Three hours, three hours. Lately, I've been breaking it down into one hour and eventually I'll get to breaking it down into 15 minutes as I accelerate this life. And I'm taking that time very serious because time is something, it's the only thing that you can't go out on the street and panhandle for. You and I leave our wallet and our phone dies. We both have money, but we run out of gas and we're at the gas station. We're good salespeople. We could go get 20 bucks and we can get home for the day. But if you want an extra three hours, Stephen, there ain't nobody on this planet that you can go panhandle an extra 15 minutes for or from. It's not possible. That cognition, that realization is what sparked this best year yet, this best month yet. And 2024, as we've talked about, is a shifting season. Time is either going to expose you or promote you. And the people that have been in the lab mixing the little chemicals we can feel that and sense it. We can smell it in the air. We can feel it in our loved ones. We can feel it in our friend circle. Everyone's leveling up right now. And it's because this is something that everyone's starting to recognize. We're getting older. We don't know how much time we have left. 
And if you are gone tomorrow, what would you do with your last day today? I know for me personally, I would want to do my absolute best to be my best self. It's well said, man. There's two things that I want to double click on that I really like. How you view time and the urgency aspect. When I talk to people, I've had you know a handful of people on the show, most that are extremely successful in their own rights in their industries. And one of the common things that I've noticed from high performers is they value time differently. Mm -hmm. They look at time differently. The six-figure earner looks at time different than the seven-figure earner. The seven-figure earner values time different than the eight-figure earner and the nine-figure earner. And maybe if you're listening to this, like value time, what does that mean? It's having urgency. It's, it's trying to squeeze as much possible out of every single hour that we can and being very mindful mindful. And it doesn't mean that you have to work 20 hours a day and redline and neglect your family, neglect your health and neglect your relationship. I'm sure you agree. Yeah. When you get into some type of industry that's performance based or you're out there that uh, you want to become a high performer, whatever industry that you're in, your ability to manage your energy throughout the day and manage your time will dictate how much you get out of the day. Yep. You know, one of the things I like asking our sales organization as well is, you know, how many hours does Donald Trump have in a day, 24 hours. How many hours do you have in a day, 24 hours? How many hours does I have in a day or anyone that's successful, the bum on the street, everyone has the same amount of time. So if no one has 25 or 23, it's not about how much time you get in the day, it's what you do at that time and more importantly, how you perceive the time and, and what energy that you're adding into that. So one thing I wanna talk about, Brandon, is one question I get asked a lot is balance. Yeah. You know, being a high performer and sales and entrepreneurship and you know trying to do everything and burning the candle at both ends, sometimes people have to sacrifice their marriages, sometimes people have to sacrifice their family, time with their kids, their health in order to be successful. But one thing that I admire about you is you are very mindful at making sure you're filling up all your different buckets because you realize as you do all these things, they all pour back into each other. Can you speak a little bit on balance and your morning routine and how important it is to make sure you're making the most so you can fill those different areas of your life? Oh, I love this question, man, because I, I was trained by Grant Cardone, right? One of the things he taught me is fuck balance. There's no such thing as balance. You've gotta be obsessed with your time alignment. And what he means by that is, let's imagine that my wife is sitting right here. Let's imagine that it's not you, okay? And it's my wife sitting right here. I'm not going to be spending time with her while I'm scrolling on my phone or I'm distracted with something else. I'm going to be fully present with her in all that we do whether it's driving down the road, whether it's going to the grocery store together, whether it's going to a dinner together, I leave the phone in the car. Those distractions prevent you from having strong connections. Strong connections with my kids come from daddy being the absolute most present daddy he can be. They say present with a T is better than, or, or your best present with a T is your presence with a C. You've gotta give them your presence. That's what's so valuable. So when I'm on a sales call or I'm spending time with my wife or I'm spending time with my kids, I am fully present. Now, how can I do that? It's because I have filled up my own bucket every morning before anybody else in the world is awake. I do not check the phone when I wake up because I'm not gonna let the world tell me what it wants from me. I need to tell the world what I want from it first. So I spend an hour in the Bible every single morning just listening to what God has to speak to me for. From there, I go about 10 to 
15, sometimes 30 minutes on some self-reflection, some prayer, and I rewrite in my own words in my journal what I learned from the word that day. Then, as you know, you've seen this, I get straight into a cold bath. The reason I get into a cold plunge or a cold bath or a cold shower is because I need to shock myself and let myself know that there's going to be chaos in my day. There's going to be things in my day that create what I like to call a storm. And I would rather run towards the storm like a bison does than away from the storm like a cow does so that I can be in the storm shorter amounts of time than spending all this time running from a storm and letting it consume me. And so when you talk about a morning routine, I am consistent with it because it's a complete non-negotiable. My kids wake up 6 a.m. I need to have three hours with myself before they come out so that I can fill their buckets up. It's the concept of love, right? How can I love someone else if I don't love myself? How can I pour up someone else's jar of water if I have no water on me? You have to have that bucket filled up in order to be present husband, in order to be a present colleague, in order to be a present boss, you've got to be filling up your own bucket. And that selfish moment is what allows me to be so selfless with my day. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And, you know, morning routine is something that is getting very popular in the personal development space. And I don't think it's you have to, you know, meditate every morning and do this and do that because it becomes so constraint that people don't feel like they can follow it consistently and then they end up not doing it. I yes. think and I'm with you. The cold plunges are amazing. We can touch on that. But I think it's just finding what works for you in your morning to give yourself that time. Yeah. If it's a cold plunge for you, if it's time in prayer, if it's time in your journal, if it's time with your kids, whatever that time in the morning is for you, I think is extremely crucial. Because like you said, in the morning is really where you dictate your pace throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And if you don't allow yourself to ease into the day and take time and not be so reflexive to whatever is going on, you're not going to give yourself the best chance is to show up um, in the way that, that you're supposed to. Brandon, I want to pivot a little bit because you're one of the, the few people that I'm close to that is actually uh, really deep into this topic. Scientology. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a lot of popular people out there with Scientology, Tom Cruise, Grant Cardone. Um, I've looked at it from a very surface level, uh, but I'm always intrigued by our conversations and the impact that it's had on you um, as well as your, your perspective, if, if you don't mind talking a little bit about it. Man, I'm an open book. You know that. I never hold anything behind a curtain, um, like the curtain behind us. I don't hold anything back. So let's take a look behind the curtain. So what Scientology has done for me is essentially give me a place to invest that I know I receive it back. First time I ever invested in Scientology, I had a seven minute phone call with someone there and I spent $35,000 in seven minutes. What wow. that did for me, Stephen, as far as the return from them, it's kind of negligible. However, how it helped me operate in the marketplace was exponential. I was now able to go to someone and say, you should probably make the decision now versus making it later because I now have given myself the permission to ask for $35,000 in seven minutes. It's impossible to do something that you've never done for yourself. It's impossible to ask for something that you've never done. It's very difficult to do that, to do it with conviction at least. Anyone can put on a fake smile and a fake face and ask for $35,000. But to do that with conviction and belief that you know their ROI is going to come to fruition, you have to be someone who has done that type of decision for yourself. So for me, what it's done is it's given me permission to ask for big deals, ask for value from the marketplace, but internally, the ROI from the actual organization 
has been a place where I can go and study. It's a lot less about the beliefs that come with Scientology versus how to actually study. One of the best things that I received, and this is worth the $100,000 I've spent alone, is just learning how to clear words. So they say that the reason we don't like to read books, they say the reason that we get confused or we get tired or yawn when we read a book. I'm sure you've been there, right? You read a book and all of a sudden, 10 minutes later, you're falling asleep. The reason being is you skipped over a word you didn't understand. So you go through a book and you read something like exalted. And exalted is something that we think we know the definition of. But to actually pull out a dictionary and look up what the word exalted means, means to be praised. But if you don't understand what that means and you think maybe it means, oh, it just means to be exited or it just means to be, you, you get confused on a word, it prevents you from understanding the entire context and the entire paragraph. Mm -hmm. If you don't understand what a word means, it can destroy your confidence and make you feel dumb. We've said it before. You don't have to be smart to make money. It's facts. But you have to know how to study and you, know, you have to know how to gain knowledge, at least a fraction of knowledge, so that you can go into the marketplace and apply it. And if you miss a concept, you're doing things differently and doing things incorrectly. I talked about reading Tony Robbins. I've talked about reading, reading some Augmandino books. I've talked about reading Grant Cardone books and going through knowledge and data. If I would have skipped over words that I didn't understand, I might have messed up the recipe. Imagine if I gave you a recipe to a cake and you don't know what an egg is. You put in watermelon. Is the cake going to come out as I designed it to come out? Probably not. But if you look up the definition to an egg and now you go to the grocery store and you purchase that egg and you use the right amount of eggs and you build the recipe the way that it was designed to be built, you end up making grandma's famous chocolate cake. So what it taught me is more so how to study, how to love myself, how to invest in myself, a safe place I can invest in myself. And it's, um, it's what helped me meet my wife. It got me out of toxic relationships. It broke down some of the addictions I had in my life. It cleared things in my life, just like it helped me clear words that I didn't understand. And all I'm trying to do is just have a clear understanding of how the world works so that I can operate, not manipulate, but so that I can operate things the way that I desire them to be operated. I think being in control is a very good thing. I think when we're uncertain, like when you read a book and you don't understand the word, when we're uncertain, it creates chaos. I like certainty, which is why I like to pull up my directions versus just drive aimlessly around the roads. I like to know where I'm going. You would never leave off from a harbor and tell the captain that you want to go to the Bahamas and tell him that you're starting in Mexico when you're really over in Florida because he's going to build you a roadmap and you're going to end up in the wrong destination. You've got to know your starting point so that you can clear stuff out of your life and build that correct roadmap so that you end up at the Bahamas versus derelict somewhere. Yeah, no, very well said. And just to kind of touch on that, investing on yourself, I feel like a lot of people, again, they hear that and they're like, duh, the best investment you need to make is in yourself. Right. But are you actually investing in yourself? What does that look like? Maybe it's Scientology. Maybe it's going to a three-day Tony Robbins seminar. Maybe it's betting on yourself and leaving that job to go into this performance-based industry that you're scared to, but you know it's going to change your life. Like Investing in yourself is the most important thing that you can do because you bring yourself wherever you go. You know, we were talking about this earlier, but it doesn't matter if your sales company went down or it doesn't matter if the solar industry went kaputs tomorrow. Like yeah. we know that we would figure out a way to still go provide for our family because of the work, the self-image, the identity, the reputation that not with other people that helps, but more importantly with ourselves. With ourselves. And, and that came from keeping the promises 
that we made to ourselves. It came from being consistent. It came from doing the things that we didn't want to do consistently over a long enough period of time until you're in a position where now you have leverage and you don't have to do them anymore. So for everyone listening, like take that step, make sure that if you're investing into your relationship, if you're investing into your business, if you're investing into your job, you're not neglecting the most important thing in the world, which is your own mind, your own body and your own temple. That's amazing, man. We've said it before and I'll just repeat it and emphasize it. It's not, oh, I really want to have a wife and then I will do things differently and I will stop doing the stupid things I did as a single person and I will start to be a better husband. It's first I will be and then I will do and then I will have. First, you've got to be a person who acts like they're married and then you've got to do things that a married man would do. Then eventually, as long as you have a clear vision of what you desire, eventually you get one of these things and you become a husband and then you have a wife. It's not the other way around. Um, a lot of people say, oh, I really want to have this. I want to have this. I want to have this. No, you get what you have by who you become. You attract what you desire by who you are. And if you guys are looking for well, what's my plan? What should I be doing, Brandon? You say all of these cool things. It's really just about pursuing your best self. I think Matthew McConaughey says it best. Who's your hero? Everyone thought it would be his dad, his mom, his uncle, previous actors. And he said it was him, but in 10 years. He wants to meet himself in 10 years and not have that person be a stranger. Imagine if your ideal 10-year self did every decision right, woke up when they were supposed to wake up, they spent the time with their wife and their kids when they were supposed to spend the time. They spent the time on their business when they were supposed to spend the time. They were in the gym when they should have been there. You meet that you in 10 years and that person is a complete stranger. Or you meet that person and you look better. You're in better shape. Your bank account's bigger. Your relationships are better. And that person looks at you as a stranger. I'm chasing my 10 year self and I want them to be proud of me and what I accomplished. Not look at them and not even recognize who I'm looking at. Showing up with a beer belly and a gut and meeting this person and being like, oh, damn, you look so good. You pursued that? Man, we had that thought 10 years ago and you actually did it? That's honestly hell. Hell is when you're laying down on your deathbed and there's all these visions and dreams and goals and potential use that you could have become and they're standing around you saying, you could have brought us to life, Stephen, but instead we must die here with you forever. I don't want that to happen. I want to stand on that deathbed and it be everyone around me saying, holy crap, there's no way possible that you could have done more than what you did while you were on this planet. Fire me up, man. Come on, man. Fire me up. And that 10 year you, Stephen, needs to be moving further every day. You never meet that person. That person is constantly running away from you. Your job is when you get to the pearly gates, when you get to the white gates, you meet that man and they're like, dude, I didn't even think about that. Good for you. Be the ideal you. Don't wait to meet them and have them be a stranger.
Yeah, it's progress. You know, progress is the key to happiness. You know, 100%. all the times where I'm not feeling great or I'm feeling down or I'm feeling depressed or I'm feeling sad or I start drifting, it's when I stop focusing on my daily progress and my gains that I'm making in my life and more focused on some type of external result or, or what's not working or I'm thinking about something that I don't believe I'm capable of. When in reality, if you could just focus on becoming as cliche as it is, 1% better mm. every single day, you know, wake up a little bit earlier, shake that hand a little bit better, be a little bit kinder to that stranger, be a little bit more gentle with your wife or girlfriend. Like just focus on becoming a little bit better every single day, compounded over time. At the end of a year, you're 36% better. Imagine if your bank account, your relationship, your body, your family life was 36% better, but most people, they see 36% and it's overwhelming. They can't imagine that amount of progress or gain. And then they're invisible governor on their life, which as we know is the identity, that thermostat starts going out of whack and then you start self-sabotaging. When in reality, just focus on winning the day, understand where you're trying to go, like you mentioned, and then just focus on the progress and good things will happen. Yeah. B, let's let's pivot a little bit to some tactical. So I know yeah. over over the last decade, you've been able to you know train and mentor tons of salespeople. Yeah. Um, in your current business, that's what you do. You run different sales organizations and help people you know become the best version of themselves through your guys' vehicle and platform. What tips or tricks or tactical things can you teach people that maybe they're doing well in the sales, but they really want to get into the leadership and the training aspect of the job? So if you're in sales right now and you're looking to get into leadership and training and just impacting people a little bit more, you have to start doing it for free. You have to start practicing it and not just practice, perfect practice. So if you're really good at a certain part of a sales conversation, you've got to start giving that away to your colleagues. The best way to get out of a slump is to get on someone else's deal. The best way to bring someone out of a slump is to let them get in on your deal. And so if you're in momentum, you're in a place where you're proud of, find someone who's not doing as well as you and bring them up along with you. I call it the 33 rule. You heard this one, Steven? I have. Yeah, you know this one. So you spend 33% of your time with people below you helping bring them up. You spend 33% of the time with people on your level and on the same playing field. And then you reach for 33% of the people above you to get that knowledge, that mentorship, and that guidance so that you can provide more valuable, more value to the other two uh, 33s. And if you delegate your time that way, you end up becoming that mentor. You end up becoming that trainer. You end up becoming that leader naturally versus forcing it. And leadership equals influence, Stephen. So the more influence you can have, this is one thing that a a manager at at a work, a call center told me one time. He said, Brandon, you want that position? You want to become someone who gets overrides on everyone in this company? I said, absolutely, bro. That's a lot of money. I would love that. He said, then bring me five people in the next six months that can say, Brandon is the reason I am where I am today. Mm. Not, in a, and not in a bad way, right? Because like, influence can be good or bad. I, we've all heard of bad influences, right? The person that's causing you to drink at two in the morning and go out to the clubs and do all this and do all that. That's a bad influence. A good influence, a.k.a. if influence equals leadership, a good leader is someone who brings someone up encourages them to reach their true potential and brings them alongside the journey as they're doing it as well. Because we said it earlier, but to know and not to do means you don't know it all. To not know and to not do means that you think you know it all. And that's where you find your demise. 
I love that, man. That's one of my favorite things when I talk to salespeople about how do you level up and how do you build a massive organization and, you know, level up in terms of your organization, your business, your company. It's how many people can point to you and say you were part of the reason of their success story. And the more people that you can find that say, hey, Brandon, hey, Oscar, hey, Steven, you were a big part of the reason that helped me get out of my slump or took me from zero to hero. As a byproduct, you will become wealthier, wealthier in joy and abundance and wealthier monetarily. Because Zig Zig, the man Zig Ziglar says it best, if you help enough people get what they want, you get what you want by default. And most people, when they get into leadership, they're not focused on how many people can I serve? How many people can I help? And by doing that naturally, selfishly, you will receive your reward as well. I heard something the other day. I kind of want to popcorn with you, Brandon. So we've all heard that you should be a selfless person, Yeah. right? You're supposed to be selfless. And then when we hear the other side of the coin being selfish, there's a negative connotation to most people. Yeah. I heard this, I think it was from a Patrick Beck David, he talked about this, but he said, being 100% selfless is actually not a good thing to society. Right. Because if you're 100% selfless, all you care about are other people and you don't care about yourself. Mm. So you, because you're not taking care of yourself, a 100% selfless person would be someone who probably doesn't make a lot of money, someone who probably doesn't take care of their body, someone who probably isn't a net positive to society because if you're not filling your cup up, as we know, yep. there's nothing to give other people. Fact. And then a selfish person, 100% selfish, isn't great either because you would probably call them a narcissist. You probably wouldn't want them as a friend. You probably we wouldn't want them as a business partner because you know that they're going to look out for themselves over you. But believe it or not, the 100% selfish person is actually more of a net positive society than the 100% selfless because that selfish person at least is probably making good money. He's probably in shape. He's probably someone that you look at and be like, okay. So he said the the best combination as a leader, uh, specifically we'll talk about our industry in sales, is you want to be 70% selfless and 70% self fish. Yeah. Because, oh, I'm sorry, the opposite. 70% selfish, 70% selfless. Because as long as you're doing most of that by focusing on yourself and your own house and making sure your house is in order, but also being abundant and being generous and making sure that you're pouring into other people, that would be the combination that he would advise. What do you think about the selfish versus selfless combination? Well, I think you have to try it. Right, you have to try to do things first before you go on the selfless route. Right, we talked about tithing earlier. I love to tithe. It's something that I'm. I got a big goal for tithing next year. I want to give away a ton of money, build some churches in Nicaragua and El Salvador and third world countries. Big goals for myself. I'm doing that because I know the more I can be selfless, the more I have to be selfish. I have to create a big economy in my own universe so that I can provide for other people. The more you give, the more you're responsible to get. And if you flip that, the more you have responsibility to get, the more you're responsible to give. I think you've gotta be selfish. Like the only way that I operate at a high level in my business deal is because I spend time with the ones I love. And I get those connections, I call it my reinjection of energy. I go home, I have tickle fights with my kids. I take them to Legoland, Disney World. We spend quality time where daddy's not distracted 
so that I can get that injection of energy and take that and go give it away. The idea is this, Stephen, to become our absolute best selves and then give that away to the world. And we can't become our best selves if we're not selfish. You have to be selfish in order to be selfless. Like you said, man, if you're completely selfless, unfortunately, you're probably a burden on society, not a gift. My whole entire beingness is to never be a burden, just be a gift. Whether it's the grocery store clerk, whether it's the server at the restaurant, can't tip well if I wasn't selfish with what I made. You've got to be selfish before you can be selfless. Well said. Let's talk a little bit about intention. How mm. important is intention? Because it's one thing to do something, but it's another thing to have intent when doing something. And looking back at my own life, I feel like I've always had very pure intentions. So that gave me the confidence to know that, hey, whenever I show up to this meeting or I try this new opportunity or I have this big talk that I need to give in front of our sales company, I know that my intention is pure. Therefore, it takes a lot of burden away from me and I can go out there and deliver. But like we spoke about a little earlier, some people don't have the right intention when it comes to making money. And even though they're maybe crushing it right now, I don't know how sustainable that is long term. What's your thoughts? Well, pure intentions create a good rest at night. If you've got bad intentions, you're constantly looking over your shoulder. And Stephen, we spent lunch in a very public area, very nice clothes, very nice car. And not once did we have to look over our shoulder. We're not creating enemies in this world. We're creating friends and we're putting people on versus taking from people. One of the things I know is if you constantly are trying to take, you're living in lust. But if you're constantly trying to give, you're living in love. I wanna provide value to you, Stephen. I don't ever want to take value from you. You and I, I feel like we have a very equal value exchange. In order to get value, you must give value and vice versa. So it comes down to intention. Everyone thinks that it, intention is reality. False. Just because I meant good doesn't mean that it always is good. So it's a combination of your intention and your perception. I believe that it comes back to like, this quote, and I'm going to quote the Bible a few times today, but I believe it comes with this quote. If you constantly chase to be exalted, you'll be humbled. If you are humble, you will be exalted. And we talked about the word exalted earlier. It means to be praised. So if you're constantly chasing to be praised, you'll eventually be humbled. But if you're humble, and by humble, we mean selfish and being selfless, breaking down the 70-30 rule then eventually you become exalted and get praised. It's what you do in the dark, what you do when it's just you and your thoughts that truly defines your reality in this world. What are you trying to accomplish? What are your goals? We call it visions, but really what are your intentions? Let's say I gave you 10 years and I said, this is all you got. Your intentions are what you do with that, that 10 years. Your intentions eventually become your reality, but it's not always as simple as intentions equal reality. It's a combination of your intentions and your perception. What are you doing every day? What's your value you're bringing to the marketplace? What's your value you're bringing to your family, your loved ones, the people that you care about? What's the value you're bringing to you? Because you're the only person that has to look at yourself in the mirror every single day. You spend more time with you than you do with anybody else. And only you know if you have pure good intentions. And there's only one person that can judge you. And you'll meet him eventually. But while we're here on this planet, and we're in this world that we're in right now, Stephen, 
it's very important to have strong intentions for bringing value to everyone you meet. And if you live with that purpose, it will cause you to become a better person because now you can bring more value. It will cause you to study more because now you can bring more value. And it will cause you to have really solid partnerships in business because they know that your true intention is just to become more so that you can bring more. Hmm. And value is objective to the individual. You know, that word value is thrown around a lot. And it really could be anything. Value could be opening a door for someone. Value mm. could be random acts of kindness. Value could be paying for the Starbucks coffee between uh, for the person behind you. Value could you be spending an extra two hours with that new salesperson, even though they're probably not going to be there six months from now. Like value is different per person. So I think it's finding in your business, in your family, in your community, where the value that you have to add is and doubling down on that because I'm a big believer in the universal laws. I know you are as well. You know, the spiritual laws of success, yep. the law of reciprocation. The more you give, the more value you add to the planet, the more value you add to the individuals, the more you get back. And I have never met an individual at least in my life, that has worked really hard, that have had pure intentions, that have been in a good space, a good industry with a good vehicle and have given it their all and haven't quit over a long enough period of time and have not made it happen. Everyone that doesn't make it happen, they usually quit along the way, they give excuses, they try and cut corners, they don't have integrity with themselves, and that's why they're attracting that negative result, not the other way around. Yeah, I agree with you so much there. And Steven, I've got a question for you, man. What, what not inspires how this works. you? I'm just kidding. <laughs> what inspires you to bring this type of value, right? If we're using value objectively, what inspires you to bring content like this to the marketplace? Why, why, right? Like, what's your motivation, man? Nobody's paying you to be here right now. Nobody's paying me to be here right now. What inspires someone like you to just want to get on a podcast every day or once a week and deliver quality content to the people that watch this? So two things. I think the value, and I've talked about this before, I think the value with a podcast is is past the actual content. It's the networking aspect mm. of it. Uh, for me, the selfish reason, right? Yeah. That 70-30, the selfish reason is it gives me a reason to network with high caliber individuals. Yeah. Before, I wouldn't really have the opportunity to go network unless I went to some type of networking event or I find people at Starbucks or whatever the case is with high caliber people because I never really had a reason. I go yeah. to a networking conference, maybe we go to it, we hear awesome speeches, I meet someone, we exchange contact info, I follow him on Instagram, he follows me and that's the end of it. There's no yeah. product for me, there's no follow-up. I'm not trying to sell anything, I'm just trying to build a relationship. Yeah. Where the podcast is cool because now I can take that person create a value exchange where it's a win-win. Yep. They come on the show, we talk for 60 minutes, yep. and now we have an actual relationship to go use long-term that is solidified because we've had that time with each other and we've created the space to do that. So the networking aspect, I think in a podcast alone, um, is amazing. That's the selfish aspect. The selfish aspect to why do this is the reason that my life has changed is because I listened to content like this 12, 13, 14 years ago that inspired me to make me realize it doesn't matter where I came from. It doesn't matter where my current circumstances. It doesn't matter who my parents are, or how much money they made or how small our condo is. This can create magic in my life because it allows me to dream again and it opens my mind to what's possible in other people's lives. When I 
first got into entrepreneurship, just like you, social media wasn't as big as it was. Podcast right. wasn't as big as it was. Right. It was right on the verge of this social media 21st century information age. Yeah. And as soon as I realized how powerful it was, I feel like I utilized it pretty well. Mm -hmm. And it allowed me to recondition my mind to get out of poverty and step into abundance. Yep. So because personal development and the universal laws and all these concepts that we're talking about and I talk about on the show have made such a big impact on my life, not just monetarily. It's changed how I look at myself. It's yep. changed the type of people. It's changed the way that I interact with my family and my community. Like if you ask people that knew me pre-high school, like who I am today, completely different individual. And a yep. big reason is because I have access to information like this yep. and I've decided that I want to change my life because I was inspired by a lot of the stories that I heard. So I would say the main reason is just giving back what's given so much to me. And mm -hmm. it's actually something that really fuels me. I believe that the best way to sometimes learn something is to teach it as long as it's internalized. So by us talking about these concepts, yeah. you get value because obviously you get a platform. Yep. We continue to strengthen our relationship, but for me, more importantly, I'm able to continue to reinforce concepts, ideals, and beliefs that have made such a big impact to me. So when I leave this podcast, I can stew on a lot of the information we talked about. I love that. So I asked that question kind of seated. It seems like, just from the time we've spent here already, it seems like we're talking to ourselves 10 years ago. I don't even really think that we're targeting a specific individual with this, other than this is something we needed to hear a decade ago. And if it was explained by us in 10 years, it probably would have resonated a little bit better, a little bit quicker, and we might be a little further along if you 10 years from now was telling you the concepts, the ideas, and the visions that you should be practicing in this moment. 100%, and I try and tailor to it. I try and tailor my content and the conversation to what is something that I wish that I heard when I was mm. a broke college student, when I was someone that had low self-esteem, that didn't believe in myself, that didn't realize how much potential that I had and that human beings in general have to go out there and chase their dreams. And it made me realize that I don't have to go work a nine to five. I don't right. have to go work a job that I hate and clock in and clock out and have someone that doesn't care about me, boss me around, yeah. and then retire when I'm 65 years old and then call that a life. Like that is not something that I wanted to do. And now that I have the means and some type of influence and a little bit of success, I want to share the principles that have helped me so much. So thank you for asking that question. That's amazing, man. It's, <laughs> it's, it's something I, uh, I, I truly wanted to know. Um, I've known you for a long time. And looking at the speaking ability you have now versus a decade ago, I mean, we're talking night and day. And it feels like just from being in your presence in this moment that you're talking to Stephen Cohen 10 years ago and saying, dude, wake the fuck up. It works. <laughs> I promise it works, bro. <laughs> Keep the discipline going. And dude, there was those countless nights, man. I mean, we hit rock, broad, rock bottom probably more times than anybody else, which is why we are where we are today. We went through rock bottom, which is why we love the cold plunge. We want to face the storm. And if I would have had someone, myself or you, telling me, this is where you're supposed to be right now embrace it, enjoy this moment versus hiding with substances, avoiding the reality and trying to numb the darkness and the rock bottom moments. Dude, that feeling, that emotion of hitting rock bottom is why I'll never hit it again. You've got to have a rock bottom moment. 
How do you understand the highs if you've never been through the lows? How do you value the wins if you've never had a loss? The undefeated fighter is at a disadvantage when he gets in the cage because he doesn't know what it's like to lose. You talk about Kamara Usman. Met him, heard him do a speech. He said, the reason I perform the way I do, the reason I get into the cage and win the way I do is because I act as if I am in second place. I'm not the champion. I've got this hunger, this desire, this fire to win because I put myself in a place of darkness. I put myself in the underdog seat even though I come in as the favorite in every fight. I don't look at the Vegas odds because I want to feel like the underdog. I want to be in the darkness so that when I'm fighting, when I'm training, when I'm practicing, I am chasing to be number one, not already number one. It's the person that thinks they can that eventually does it. And what I like to do is get into a cold plunge and I like to envision everything going right in my day. I like to be in this moment of complete terror, uncomfortability, our hands are tingling, my feet are cramping. I like to have all of this chaos going on and in my mind, I'm picturing the feeling as if the day is already done and it was done perfectly. If I put myself in chaos, no matter what happens in this podcast room, I've already put myself through what's the worst I'll be through today. And if I can put myself through that, there ain't nothing you can put me through that's going to be worse than that moment. I've already been there. I've gone through the darkness. Now I'm here in the light. Mm. Be money dropping bars. If you do what in life what is easy, your life will be hard. But if you do what in life what is hard, your life will eventually be easy. Mm. Most people take the easy route when they're younger. They decide to conform, they go to school, they get good grades, they listen to their professor, they listen to their parents, they listen to their peers, they try and go do something new, they get shit on and they end up conforming back to working a 40 hour a week job for 40 hours a day uh, for 40 years of your life and then hopefully retire one day off one fourth of your income. And that's why their life is hard because they chose the easy route where the people that choose the hard route, they go through the adversity, they get the criticism, they go do the thing that no one thinks that they should be doing because it's against the status quo yeah. because they went through that hard for years and years and years. Now they have easy of a life. So B, we can talk about this all day, but yeah. we uh, we have dinner here soon, and uh, I don't want to keep Oscar here too late, so yeah. appreciate it. Uh, my last question for you, man. Come on. We talked a little bit about our past selves, and yeah. to your point, I agree. To some, to some level, I feel like a lot of my content is targeted to the person that I used to be, and I tailor it to what I used to hear. Yeah. So my, my last question for you, if the Brandon Scott Jones – Today, the elite sales trainer who's making awesome money with an awesome family, living an awesome lifestyle, who's just an elite net positive to society, could give, to, could give the Brandon Scott Jones that I met 13, 14 years ago, who was also a smooth talker but didn't have many results, who is probably a bit unsecure, who has had a lot of doubt about his future and what was possible for his life, what advice would the Brandon today give the past Brandon? I'd say, Brandon... The only way you can fail is if you quit. Ooh. The only way, man. So if you're watching this right now, Brandon, I promise you it's worth it. You're going to go through some hard times, man. But like Steven said, hard times create really, really 
hard men. And hard men create easy times. And then you get to easy times, and they create soft men. And soft men create hard times. And hard times create soft men. And soft men create hard times. And hard times will create easy times. I encourage you, Brandon, to do what's hard. Quit the substance abuse. Quit the drinking. Quit the late night rendezvous. Stop taking, stop lusting, and give. Listen to your calling. Your calling has been there. You've been ignoring it. Tap in or tap the fuck out. You got one life, bro. Don't slip. You will trip. But as long as you can get up. Wait, wait, hold on. As long as you can look up, you can get up, baby. I promise you, your life will be worth it. Just do the hard things, man. Stop distracting yourself with the BS that society is trying to force you to conform to. Do what others don't. So eventually, you can sit down with Steven in his podcast room and do what others can't. Come on. Appreciate you, dude. This was a treat. Yeah. I'm so glad we got to do it.